0: We're just starting up our busy season. We started last week doing Rienos, and uh, me and my girlfriend just got a new house,
1: so Rieno season. That's the best. That has to be the best. Do you just eat Rienos all the time?
0: (laughs) Rienos are, you know, they're one of my favorites for sure.
1: Oh my god, they're the best.
0: That's God's gift to the chili. (laughs) I mean, everything's better deep fried. So if you deep fried chili, you know, you're you're up there. That's that's one of the best.
1: everybody and welcome to the pre-accident investigation podcast i am todd conklin and you are in for a treat today i mean it this is gonna be a great podcast how's it going how is everything progressing along i'm just checking in because i think we should do that every once in a while because it's been an interesting ride but good i think we're learning we're getting better what doesn't kill you makes you stronger just go with that theory. I don't know if it's true, but let's go with it because it seems to be kind of an interesting way to frame the world. So today's podcast, I've been actually looking forward to this for a while because we're going to talk to Jacob Painter, who is the food safety director of Young Guns Chili here in the great state of New Mexico. So if you don't know much about Chile, In the great state of New Mexico, it is a big stinking deal. I mean, it is a really big deal. It is the thing. In fact, our state question, our state bird is the roadrunner. Our state question is red or green. And that's a direct reference to the chili you prefer. Even though red chili and green chili are the same chili plant, it's different sort of maturity ripeness levels that determine whether you eat the chili when it's green or it's red. And it's really fun to eat. And it's delicious, and it's spicy, and it has personality. And different people make different chili. Different grandmas make different chili than other grandmas. Different moms make They They all make the best chili, of course. But it's got personality, and you kind of go to places based upon the chili. And some restaurants have amazing green chili. I mean, just earth-shattering, stops you in your tracks, beautiful. And some restaurants have amazing red chili. It's rich and umami-forward. How'd you like that for food language? Didn't that sound impressive? And has personality and tastes amazing. And no matter how you cut it, it's interesting to have a culinary item in your cultural repertoire that represents the state. But not just the state really the whole je ne sais quoi, which is French for saying the, you know, I don't know what to say kind of, right? I mean, it represents how we identify ourselves. And so getting the chance to think about this from the lens of really resilience and reliability was too, just absolutely too good to let go of. And so due to a, a, an amazing historical connection, I got a chance to talk to Jacob Painter. Now, the reason I got a chance to talk to Jacob Painter is because I know Jacob Painter's parents. I've known them for a million billion years, Craig and Liz. And so I've known Jacob since he was tiny. I mean, little tiny. And now he's a grown man and has a real job with responsibility and everything. So I knew he would talk to me because I knew there was no way he could turn me down. It would just be too awkward. It would be, it would just, it, would, it he couldn't say no. It was the easiest podcast get ever because the, there was, we used psychological, uh, uh, forces to get him to be on the podcast. That's actually a lie. He, he was gracious and more than willing to talk to me. And he's such a classic safety guy. You guys, not only will you know him, you are him because, you know, he says, I'm not sure how interested people are going to be in what we do. Well, I had to tell him that the answer is they're really interested because one of the things that you're going to hear Jacob talk about, and I think it's really interesting, is how food safety has grown in importance really internationally, but certainly within the industries themselves. And one of the things that's happened is the regulatory body that actually created the rules and compliance mechanisms around meat safety, which is really kind of the first one that caught the attention of everybody, that regulatory body has now spread around what Jacob called, I learned a lot in this podcast, uh, ready to eat or or produce. And that's because there's been a lot of exposure recently. If you follow the news, at least in North America, you're going to be familiar with this, but there's been a lot of exposure recently to fresh vegetables causing illnesses, foodborne illness. And so the industry itself has dramatically changed. And Jacob's story is an interesting one. He'll tell it, but he actually came from the meat science side of the house over into the produce side of the house because they actively looked for people to bring over that have that knowledge. But that's not the part that I find most interesting. There's a lot of this podcast I find interesting. That's for sure. But the part I find most interesting, honestly is the part where he talks in great detail about how important the workforce is to actually not only maintaining quality and food safety, but actually monitoring quality and food safety and how they look for weak signal indicators early in that process to make things happen. It's it's pretty cool. I mean, it's it's really cool. It's, it's a worthwhile conversation to have to be certain. So you've got that to look forward to, because that's coming up in this episode of the Pre-Accident Pod, but I also wanted to check in with you and just see how things are going as it relates to what you're doing, because I'm always interested in really what's new and our ability to kind of keep up with change, because we talked about this before, in fact, the topics come up a couple times in the podcast, but change is happening so fast that the expectation we're changing with it is is right there on your head, pushing down as hard as it can to ensure, in fact, that the world is a better, safer, richer, more meaningful place. So I guess what I'd ask is, in a way, we know risk is dynamic, but now that we're in the midst of this great crisis upheaval or whatever you want to call this pandemic response thing that we're going through as a globe, Is also control dynamic? And I guess the answer is it must be. Because if risk is dynamic, controls can't be fixed. I mean, because risk is dynamic. Risk is constantly changing. So controls are constantly having to change, which puts us in a position where we're never not going to have a job, which some industries would call job security. You know, that's job security. I don't know if I'd call it job security. And as much as what I think you're seeing is that, the work we do is ongoing, that there is no conclusion. And we've said that before. Safety is not an outcome to achieve. There'll never be a meeting where you go and say, okay, we got the whole safety problem fixed. Thank goodness that's over. Let's work on salaries now. That's not going to happen. Well, first of all, that wouldn't happen anyway because they said the word salaries. But it's not going to happen, right? And so we're in this position. We're in a highly dynamic environment. We have to be adaptive, just like the people doing work. In essence, we're just like the workers we work with every day. We are on the sharp end of our stick and dealing with it to the best of our ability, which I think is a pretty good introduction to the conversation with Jacob because I think you'll like this a lot. So listen carefully. This is a food safety. It's not our first food safety podcast either, so just be aware that we're into this. We have a little trend going here. But this one is about chili and Young Guns Chili and how they actually monitor chili. Did you know chili that's not broken is sterile? I just want you to know that. I've, I learned a lot. I'm smarter now, but I should shut up. Here we go. This is uh, Jacob Painter and food safety on the Pre-Accident Podcast. Is that is that your official safety guy outfit that you're wearing right now? Oh, yeah. Really? Every day. It's kind of a matching ensemble. <laughs> that's French, I think. I'm not certain. I speak a little French. So you understand when I say the word ensemble. Oh uh, no, I just I just meant the cut words. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect, man. Perfect. Hey, thanks for doing this, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. What a treat. It's uh I think you're gonna be one of the more interesting people that we ever get to talk to on the podcast, no matter what. Well, we'll hope. <laughs> no, I think so. I think so. Just because of the nature. I don't know exactly how interesting food safety is, but we'll go through it. You don't think food safety is interesting? Well, you must. Well, I do, but I don't know that everyone else in the world does. <laughs> well, so, so it's weird. It's kind of gotten a lot of attention. So oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely on the on the rise
0: for sure. And,
1: and why do you think that is? I mean, what do you think's made it get more attention?
0: Just the amount of outbreaks we're seeing with E. coli, especially in like the leafy greens and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, we're seeing a lot more regulations in that field, whereas in the past, it used to just be a lot more in the meat sector where we cared a lot more about those pathogens.
1: And so now we've got kind of a larger target set, a larger uh, sort of risk picture, I guess, would be the word maybe we'd use. There's there's more things to be, be worried about. Well, probably you're yeah, worried about it So what is it you do? Walk me through your day. What is it you do? So
0: I'm the I'm the food safety manager here at Young Guns, so uh really a lot of it's just making sure that we're we're up to all the FDA standards, uh all of our paperwork's kept up. Um so everything has to be kept on paperwork so we have those records and they have to be kept on hand until all of our product expires. Uh so a lot of paperwork and then a lot of just making sure employees are wearing hair nets and gloves and all of the required PPE.
1: So we shouldn't pass over the fact that your company's named Young Guns Chili? Yeah. Yes, young gun, chili. That is about the <laughs> coolest company name. And a lot of people are going to be really jealous of that. So oh, yeah. it, would you say this is how much of your responsibility is just administrative and compliance by nature? And then how much of it's actually out there touching, poking, testing, looking, doing that?
0: So I'm doing a lot of the compliance myself, um, doing a lot of the paperwork and that kind of stuff. And then we have some employees that are out on, the, out on the production floor that are doing the actual checks themselves. And then I'll do what's called a direct observation on them. So I'll observe them doing that CCP check, which is a critical control point to ensure that they're doing that check the correct way.
1: How do you determine um, but, how do you determine those CCPs? That's very interesting to me. So the CCPs are all determined through
0: a, a hazard um, risk analysis. So you go through every processing step that your product will go through, and you ask yourself the question: Is a risk likely to occur here? If so, what kind of risk—biological, physical? Um, or chemical hazards. Um, and if so, is there, is there a point to mitigate that risk at this point or further down the process?
1: So are you man, are you managing both food safety and, uh, and operational safety or production safety as well?
0: Uh, I'm doing just food safety, but I'm um, touching a little bit in the operations and production safety as well. Um, I'm- since we don't really have like an EHS manager or anything like that. So
1: you're kind of, you're kind of doing both. How do you determine where those critical processes are? I mean, I know you asked those questions, so it's a classic sort of risk management matrix. Um, How how do you determine, it strikes me that the point of potential risk interface in food safety is kind of everywhere.
0: Yeah. So that's, that's the thing is you're, when you're doing a HACCP flow diagram or a HACCP uh, hazard analysis, on basically every step, you're going to have a hazard. Um, It's just whether you can mitigate that hazard at that point, or if that needs to come later on. Um, So biological is going to be by far the biggest hazard that everyone faces in the food industry. So that's going to be your pathogens like E. coli, salmonella, that kind of stuff and how we can control that so most places are doing a, a lethality step which is um going to be acidification or cooking or something similar like that high pressure high pressure pasteurization something to uh render that bacteria or that pathogen um not so it can't infect humans um it's just dead cells at that point
1: how do, how do you manage that for a daily operation i mean so you- for the daily
0: operations um each of those CCPs is going to have some paperwork with it, right? Um, so, for example, one of our critical critical control points is we have a recirculating water chiller that chills down the chili after it's been roasted, because um, we have to meet a, a standard that has to be chilled between or from one thirty five down to forty within six hours. Um, that's an FDA regulation. So, since that water is recirculating, it has to be uh, treated with chemical, uh, parasitic acid. So, every half hour, um, we test to make sure that the concentration of that parasitic acid is within the right range, so it's not too low that it's not um, killing pathogens, but it's not so high that it's um, having a chemical contamination to the chili itself.
1: So, so the the process that you manage, you're dealing with everything from open flame to quick freezing. Is that fair? Yeah. So
0: unfortunately, we don't have quick freeze on site. Uh, we send it down to cold storage in Las Cruces. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's something we're looking into. Is is hopefully getting a spiral freezer within the next you know, two to three years. And that'll be another, another safety and food safety thing um, that, that will be. That developing. seems,
1: that seems crazy to me that you're dealing from, from basically open flame where you roast the chili to freezing it in the same process.
0: Yeah. So that, and that'll happen, you know, within, it'll get down to below 40 within that six hour time frame. Usually we'll, we'll chill it from about 185 to 40 degrees within 30 to 40 minutes of, of that cook process and then an additional four to five hours to actually freeze solid.
1: So I don't know if people know this because chili's a mystery to the rest of the world. I, or let me say, I think it might be a mystery. It seems to be more popular in the world now than it once was. But you you bring fresh chilies in from the field, and, and they're they're just peppers, right? Or they're just chili peppers. Or they're not magical. Yeah, just, just well, raw maybe, chili
0: peppers that have just been picked.
1: Maybe they are magical. Are the, do you guys serve magic? You do. I can tell by your face they're magical chilies. Okay. <laughs> and, then, and then you... Then you roast them and peel them, right? Yes. And then you chop them and you must clean them at some point and chop them.
0: Yep. So so the way that our process works is um, our product will initially go through just a single pass municipal water. Um, so it'll spray municipal water on the chili to get off any dirt or anything that's on it. And then we'll go through a tank that has chlorine in it um, just to sanitize the outside of that chili and make sure there's no pathogens on the outside because um, realistically the inside should be sterile. Um, if it hasn't been broken yet. So if the pod's still whole, the insides should be sterile. So we're not too worried about um, sterilizing the inside of the chili, just
1: the outside. Okay. And 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 then, then so <laughs> I have millions of questions. So, so then it's, so how close do you interface with the quality, with the food quality people?
0: So, so I'm really in charge of food quality and food safety. So um, on every, every uh, lot that we have, so a lot that, a lot is going to be one truckload of chili that comes in from the field. Right. So every lot that we do, we'll do several checks on to make sure that we're the right heat level. Um, we're good on product weight. Dice size is good. Appearance is good. We don't have too many seeds or um, too much skin or anything on the chili. So we do that process about two to three times for every lot that we run.
1: So you must really count on the workers, the guys doing the work, the guys at the oh, sharp yeah, end definitely of the stick. We,
0: food safety would be impossible without a, a good team around you to, do those tasks um, while you are, you know, checking to make sure they're done right. And then also dealing with FDA and and doing all the regulatory stuff.
1: How do you build those relationships to to make sure that team's good? And I I guess the question I'd ask you is how do you build the relationship to make sure that those people will tell you the truth? Because you really need them to say this one's screwed up, right?
0: Right. Yeah. So a lot of it's just, um, in my experience, it's just people are always afraid they're going to get in trouble if, if something happens on the line. And you just have to assure them that, you know, if if product goes down or if the line goes down for an hour, you know, it's not the end of the world. Um, We'd rather produce safe product than have product flowing 24-7. So um, just doing that and then actually going through and doing those checks with them, showing them um, first on paper and then actually going and doing those checks and showing them how to do them and, and the proper procedures on those.
1: And because they do them so many times, aren't they probably way better at doing them than you are?
0: yeah I mean by the end of the summer, um, since we just do seasonal processing, so we only have staff on for about four or five months out of the year so but yeah, by the end of the summer, those employees are a lot faster and a lot better at doing the checks, especially parasitic acid and that kind of stuff than I would be
1: so when when they when they bring the line down because there's a potential problem, how do you how do you ensure how do you signal to those workers that that was a good thing to do? How do you celebrate the fact that they identified a problem, brought production to a halt? allowed you the capacity to fix the problem. What do you do? Do you have pizza? Because uh, I think all good things end with pizza. That's that's kind of my rule. Yeah.
0: So what I like to do is we have, we have occasional food safety meetings. And during those meetings, recognizing that person saying that, you know, they they came to me and told me about this issue. And that's a really good thing. So try to be like this person, you know. Um, if you see an issue on the line, whether that's a personnel issue or a product issue, you can come up and tell me and, and we'll talk about it and we'll get it figured out. And then, you know, the people around you will enjoy you more because they know that you're looking out for them and they're looking out for you.
1: Do you think good sa- good food safety applies itself to the rest of the operational safety? Do you see I think it does, there?
0: yeah. I think, I think food safety and operational safety really go hand in hand. If you're If you're being good in your food safety and doing what you need to do there, you should be doing pretty well in your operational safety too because those two really go hand in hand and the trainings for those are very similar.
1: What's the most challenging part of your job? Just
0: audits. Uh, we, we do a lot of audits during the summer. So we'll have customer audits and, and FDA audits and third-party audits. So they'll come in and they'll you know, go through our paperwork with a fine-tooth comb and make sure that it's all up-to-date and accurate and it's all been reviewed um, by, by me, the food safety manager, to ensure that we're meeting those CCPs.
1: What's your favorite part of the job? And if just, you say audits, I'm hanging out. I'll just, hang, uh, I'm interrupting you, but if you say audits, I'm hanging up, okay? Let's just get that out there. <laughs> okay, what's your favorite part of the job?
0: Just the technical part of it being
1: out on the floor and, and teaching people,
0: letting them learn about food safety and, and how that relates to what's going to go on with our product and, and how that affects the consumer, um, as well as the quality.
1: What's your background? What got you? How on earth did you get into this? What's your background? Why would you want to do this job? <laughs> so I think what really got me into it is in, in high school, I started judging meat and,
0: uh, just kind of continue judging through college and then, uh, judge meat collegiately. And that kind of went just hand in hand with like, the like, uh, just, uh, a, a food program. That's the, so what I got my degree in is, uh, it's called food animal science and marketing. So it combines a food science degree with an animal science degree and a marketing degree. So you kind of have three minors instead of one major. Um, but I just, I just really enjoyed the food safety part of it and learning about the different pathogens and how they affect people and and how we can avoid um, distributing those out in your products.
1: So you must really like the science part. Yeah,
0: definitely into the science. Science is definitely my, my was always my favorite subject in school. So definitely big into the science.
1: <laughs> and and what's the future hold? Do you do you see your your world, the food safety world, changing, growing? Is it is it getting different?
0: It's definitely growing. Um, I used to work in a ready-to-eat meat processing facility, and a lot of the standards that we saw there are now being applied to produce, since produce is considered ready-to-eat. Um, so we're seeing a lot of those standards start to cross over from USDA to FDA um, through the FISMA, which is the Food, Fo- Food Safety Modernization Act. So we're seeing a lot of those principles um, kind of move over to the, the produce industry, and a lot more regulations are coming up um, to abide by.
1: So you have something called FISMA? Yeah, FISMA, Food Safety Modernization Act. I would totally work there just to say the word FISMA in a real sense <laughs> and, and meaningfully say the word FISMA. I think that's cool. Why chili? It, so, first of all, I think chili's it's just such an important part of the New Mexico image, which is, I mean, totally cool. And it's an interesting food that's absolutely growing in popularity. It must, because you see it everywhere now. I mean, it's everywhere. What, what led you to chili?
0: So like I said, I, I was in the ready to eat meat processing um, you know, facilities before this and I was in, up in Nebraska and I just didn't really enjoy Nebraska. I wanted to be back in New Mexico and it just, it worked out well that I moved down here and um, I really wanted to be and learn more about produce and be in the produce industry. And this job came up and it just kind of worked out um, perfectly where I had just moved back and this job opened up and I really enjoyed the chili and, and learning more about it. So I'm still learning. I've been here for about three years, but I'm, I'm learning more and more about the varieties and all of that kind of stuff more so on on the field aspect now.
1: Would you say produce is more sexy than meat? Uh, Not to me. I'm I'm still kind of a meat
0: scientist at heart. That was really, my degree was mostly in meat science. So I enjoy the the chemistry and the science behind meat.
1: Yeah. Because if you handed me a ribeye and a piece of celery, not a real big decision for me. (laughs) Two times out of 10, it's going to be the ribeye. Yeah. I'm taking the ribeye. I'm, I'm going with the ribeye. So, how do you keep your skills up? How do you hone up? How do you stay educated? Do you guys have a network? Do you have, um, do you read all the scientific literature? Are, are changes happening in the science in the processing? So there's there's a few good
0: websites that I like to look at. Um, one's called FoodSafetyNews dot com, and it just has um, current news on food safety, what's going on in terms of outbreaks and um, kind of new trends that are coming up in food safety and, and new standards as well. And it's nice because that website covers the entire world. It's not just America. So you get to see kind of some food safety programs from other countries and how you can relate that to your process and kind of um, use it to improve your process and and make it a little better. And then there's also another website called IFSQN, which is just kind of a, it's, it's kind of like the Twitter of food safety, I would say. And there's a message board. So if you have a question about anything in food safety, you can just get on this message board and type a message in and you know, within 15 minutes or so, you'll have three or four responses from people that have been in the industry for a couple of decades or so. So it's really nice to have that bond within food safety. Everyone's trying to make each other better. There's no real competition. It's all just to make food safer and and everyone healthy.
1: So here's the biggest question I can think of. I've been working on this one the entire time when I was excited about getting to talk to you. Um, Red or green? Oh, green for sure. learned a ton on this podcast a ton now I don't know if you're into chili as uh, I am or as all the people who live around me are but I really am into chili and I know that it's got a lot of potential to go bad and so ensuring that it's good is pretty important to us and it's clean and there aren't many skins on it not many all those things that Jacob talk about really make a big difference to the quality of my life, kind of on a normal basis, because we have chili a lot, but I also really like the opportunity to hear him talk with passion about his profession and the background and networks they've created and how similar his challenges are to our challenges. I really like the fact that there is no line between quality and food safety. That makes sense to me at every single level. That's brilliant. And I think that's a meaningful jumping off point for our discussion. I I know you found this valuable. I did. Thanks for listening, you guys. It's always so much fun to talk to you. And if you've got ideas or things you want to hear or see on the pod, just tell me. I'm always wide open. There's a lot of great stuff. I told you there's good stuff coming down the pike and it's happening. You're getting to experience it for sure. It's a great time hanging out with you. That's for sure. I think that pretty much buttons it up for today. So learn something new every single day. I know you did today. Have as much fun as you possibly can. Eat more New Mexico chili. Oh, wait, that I was supposed to say that. Um, be good to each other. Be kind to each other. Check in on one another. And for goodness sakes, you guys, be safe.